Please pray with me. Oh, I thought that was my microphone. It's just a water bottle. So we can go back to praying. Father, we give you thanks for today and for your word. And we ask that all the promises of your word, the promise of your presence, the promise of its power to search us out, to separate bone from marrow, the power to bring life and also to cause death. We pray that the fullness of the powers of your word would be made known to us as we read it and preach it and apply it to our lives. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Old Chinese proverb, not sure if you have ever heard it, tiger father begets tiger son. Roughly the equivalent of uh, chip off the old block. Sometimes it can be a compliment, like uh, you could say that the young boy has his father's winsome sense of humor or his mother's leadership abilities or their athletic skill, but chip off the old block is not always necessarily a compliment. You know, there can be some times when you don't want to be a chip off the old block. Pat Conroy's father is a man of whom you don't want to be a chip off the old block. Called him the great Santini. Wrote a book about him from the same name. Notoriously brutal was his father. And Conroy actually said his father was worse in real life than the character in the book. No, his dad never owned up to the book. He did make a real effort to amend his life in an attempt to prove the book wrong. Pat said that his dad went on to become the best uncle, best friend, best father, best grandfather he could be. When he died in 1996, he wrote a moving and pretty complex tribute to his dad called The Death of Santini and tucked away in the acknowledgments of that book way in the back is a little note, and the note says this, To my lost daughter, Susanna, the door is always open, so is my heart. Apparently, whatever deep pain and dysfunction went from Donald to Pat, slipped through from Pat to Susanna. Tiger father begets tiger son. Chip off the old block is not always a good thing. Sigmund Freud, he said that he could think of no greater need of a child than the love of his father. It's the lack of love from the father or heavy-handed love that he saw at the root of many mental and emotional problems faced by modern people. More recently, James Herzog coined a term, it's called father hunger, to describe a son's longing and need for a father figure. Margot D. Maine, she's linked low self-esteem in young women to father hunger. All that to say, psychologists and academics have proven what poets and authors have always known, is that the relationship between children and their fathers can be the source of immense blessing 
but it can also and often is the source of tremendous pain and dysfunction. Our reading today is Matthew's accounts of the baptism of Jesus. And we read about the baptism of Jesus as we continue our series here at Holy Cross this morning. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And here's what I want to say about the baptism of Jesus. And it's true about your baptism if you have been baptized. And the things I will say, I aim at Father Hunger. Here's thing number one. At the baptism of Jesus and at your baptism, if you are baptized, Jesus' Father was there. We're going to talk about what that means. At the baptism of Jesus and at your baptism, the Father was there. Here's the second thing. At the baptism of Jesus and at your baptism, the Father made His presence known. Didn't hide in the back. Wasn't a wallflower. Made His presence known. That's the second thing. We'll talk about that. Here's the third thing. At the baptism of Jesus and at your baptism, the Father speaks. And when He speaks, He conveys His love, but not just His love, His pleasure in His Son and in you. We're going to talk about those three things from Matthew chapter 3, really uh, beginning way down at the bottom at verse 13. First thing we want to say about the baptism of Jesus is that His Father was there. Intuitively, you and I know that fathers should be there. But there's a tremendous amount of objective and scientific research that backs up the importance of a present father. For example, studies have shown children living with fathers in the home tend to fare better on cognitive achievement and behavioral outcomes. Close relationships between adolescents and their fathers have been shown to have positive outcomes for a child's psychological well-being. Children with close relationships with their fathers have lower reported problems with delinquency. They're even less likely to experience poverty. The stress of the studies is not only on a father who lives in the building, but a father who's present to his children, who's relationally engaged in the lives of the children. The presence of the father is of tremendous importance. Now, what do we notice about the baptism of Jesus? What we notice is His Father was there. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by Him. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to Him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on Him. The heavens are torn open. The Spirit descends in biblical studies. That's called a theophany. And that means a manifestation or an appearance of God. It's like the burning bush that appeared to Moses, or the pillar of fire that accompanied the Israelites in the desert. It's an overwhelming, unmistakable message. God is here. But for Jesus, it's not just generic God is here. For Jesus, it's my Father's here. Jesus' father came to his baptism. 
Jesus' father was present. I'll tell you what that means. You know, I, I've got kids, and I, intuitively I understand this, but a couple months ago, I was really blessed. My, my son made it to the uh, playoffs of the rec league basketball. But I got terrible news. It was on a Monday night, and Monday night I have chapel at the Citadel. And so I wrote to the cadets, I said, I am going to miss our meal, starts at 6, but I'm going to be there to preach at 6.30. So don't panic. And you know what they said? They said, please don't come. Don't come. You want to know why? One of them wrote back, he said, I remember every game my father didn't come to. Now, Let's be real. You're going to miss some games. You're going to miss some games. But I learned something really important that night. Showing up is a big deal. They scanned the bleachers for you. Are they here yet? Are they here yet? I can see both of my kids. I can see this overwhelming sense of relief when they finally spot me. Jesus' father was there at his baptism. That's not the only time he was there. Jesus would say in John's Gospel that he always enjoyed his Father's presence. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. That's John chapter 8, verse 29. When Jesus faced his most difficult moments, he could rely on the abiding presence of his Father. On the night he was betrayed, he said to his disciples, You will all leave me. But I won't be alone. My Father's with me. That's John chapter 16. Verse 32, early in his ministry, Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, and the prayer he taught them began with these words, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. Now a few years ago, a German scholar was doing research in the New Testament, and what he said was, in the history of Judaism, in all of the Old Testament, all the extra-biblical Jewish writings dating from the beginning of Judaism To the 10th century A.D., there's not a single reference of any person addressing God directly as Father. But that's exactly what Jesus encourages us to do. Because the same Father who is present to Jesus is the same Father who's present to you. He shows up. That's good news. I'll tell you why. Some of you already know why it's good news. Because your dad was great Santini. You have a personal experience of negative outcomes associated with a father or with an absent father. Some of you might be like me. I had an amazing father. And through no fault of his own, he was made absent. Because he died of a brain tumor when I was 16. But when I became a Christian in the fall of 1999, the words, Our Father, meant something very special to me. I have a Father again who's present. And a hole had been filled, you see. I had a Father in heaven who's present to me. He's not going to leave me. That's good news. Here's here's the second thing. This is my beloved Son. Those are the first words. Did you know this? Those are the first words 
that God speaks in the entire New Testament, this is my beloved son. It's not only an expression of love, it's an expression of identity and saying, this is my beloved son. The father's not only telling us who Jesus is, the father is telling us who he is. Who is he? He's a loving father. Those of you with children will understand this. What happens to your identity when you have children? You lose it. I think that I have been a person of achievement to some extent. Graduated from a college that's at least respected in South Carolina. I can put a ring on and people say, wow, you went to that school. I graduated with honors too. I went to Oxford University and I, I graduated with honors from there too. I've been mildly successful in my professional career. But you know, when I had children, none of that mattered anymore. When I go to pick up my children at Sullivan's Island, you know what nobody says? Here comes Rob Sturdy. (laughs) Wow! You know what they say? That's Genevieve's dad. They don't even know my name anymore. That's David's dad. I'm not ashamed to be David's dad. I'm not ashamed to be Genevieve's dad. I don't care that people don't know my name anymore. I love being a dad. And the first words that God speaks in the New Testament are none of the things that the great hymns sing about. Holy, holy, holy. All-knowing, all-powerful. None of that. Very first words of the New Testament, God speaks from heaven, I'm his dad. That's it. At the baptism of Jesus, we learn that the Father in heaven is happy to identify with his son. And at your baptism, we learn he's happy to identify with you. He's not ashamed to be your dad either. Now here's the last thing. This ever-present, proud father at the baptism of Jesus and at your baptism, he speaks. And what he says is enormously important. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. He speaks. I'm sure you saw just a few years ago, Pat Conroy died at the age of 71 We've already mentioned one of the themes he returned to over and over again was his father, Donald Conroy. One of the most heart-wrenching portrayals of this tortured relationship came about in an article he wrote for Parade magazine about his father's last days, and, and this is what he had to say. When my father began his quick, slippery descent into death, what I missed most was fixing his lunch. He was now at Kathy's house in Beaufort. My brothers and sisters drove from all directions to sit Six-hour shifts at his bedside. We learned watching a fighter pilot die is not an easy thing. One morning I arrived for my shift to relieve my sister Carol and heard screaming coming from the house. I raced inside and found Carol screaming at Dad in an ancient, piteous voice. Dad, you've got to tell me you love me. You've got to tell me you're proud of me. You've got to do this before you die. I walked Carol out of the bedroom and set her down on a sofa in the living room. Carol, Dad's dying. He's not going deaf. 
You don't have to scream at him. This is what she said. He's never told me he loves me or that he's proud of me, not once my whole life. There are people in the room right now who could say the same thing. And I know a ton of them just down the road from here. The world is desperate to be loved. And through that love somehow to discover a sense of dignity and self-worth. But we know that the history of the world is a history of failed opportunities to love people well. I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have had a similar experience as Carol Conroy, needing and not receiving life-giving words of love. But you know what Jesus can never, ever say? Jesus can never, ever say, He never told me He loved me. Because the very first thing God says in the New Testament is, I love this man. This man is my son. And you know what you can't say? You can't say, He's never told me He loves me. And you know why? Because God so loved the world, He sent His Son. That's how He said it. I, I love the South, but I, I love it well enough to be honest about it. There's a sneaky little evangelistic trick that, that is done in the Deep South. And that trick is this. God doesn't like you very much. You're a sinner. God's angry with you. He wants to like you, but he can't. Until you put your faith in Jesus. And when you put your faith in Jesus, you know, it's a transaction, and then, then he can start loving you. What a tortured reading of John chapter 3, verse 16 that is. God loved the world already. He already loved it, so he sent his son. People who've read that verse and understood it, people who've seen Jesus on the cross, nobody who's actually heard that and seen it can say, he never told me he loved me. At the baptism of Jesus, God announces his love for his son. At your baptism, and even right now, he's announcing his love for you. I've got a little trick I do at the Citadel with new people. After I learn their name, where are you from? What kind of faith commitments do you have? I always ask them this question when we finish our first conversation. The question I always ask him is this. What do you think God thinks of you right now? Do you know what all of them have said? I've never had a different answer than this one. You ready for it? He's disappointed in me. Let me tell you something. God did not send his son into this world to die upon a cross so that you could have an overwhelming sense of God's disappointment in you. Well, let me do some applications. Here's application number one. God still loves the world. He is still sending, this time, sons and daughters. What I mean by that is God so loves the world right now he sends you. Men and women, every bit is just like Jesus, well-loved by a Father in heaven who's well-pleased with them. 
he sends you. And he did not send you into the world so the world could get an overwhelming sense of God's disappointment in it. Some of you are very interested in political outcomes that you've tied to Christianity. Some of you are very interested in making sure that that people know what you believe about certain Christian moral commitments. I'm not saying any of those is unimportant. But the keynote of your life ought to be the keynote of the life of Jesus. The keynote of your life that you can express with your mouth and with your body is that God loves this world. He's well pleased with it. Well, if if that's all we communicate, the world will go crazy. They'll do anything. You're absolutely wrong. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. You know, that's, that's in the book. I'm not making it up. You make the kindness of God the keynote of your life, and you will see change happen around you. And you can learn how to make it the keynote of your life by your baptism. That's one. Here's two. You are here and you are not baptized. You're exploring the Christian faith. Let me ask you this. Do you believe the smallest bit of what you heard this morning? That is the infant's first cry to a father in heaven. And that is enough to come into the Christian family. Trevor will ask you if you want to be baptized. I think he will. He did it earlier. I hope he does it again. You should just go ahead and get baptized. That's the application for you guys. And the last thing I'll say to you is I've enjoyed it. And I'll see you again soon. But I don't know when. But I have enjoyed it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, settle on, on us all a deep abiding sense of the pleasure of God in us. Not because we're particularly good, but because we belong to him. And that's enough for him to love us and be pleased with us. Remind us he's present. Remind us that he identifies with his children. Remind us that we're well loved. And help us, help us bring these things into the world. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.